Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Hey, welcome, and thanks for being with us. You know, you guys come here every day for a variety of things, and one of them is the truth. And I got to give you the truth on backup quarterbacks. Now, I'm going to get into the ridiculous candidates that are put out in front of me, including this guy, Fetterman. My God. What a train wreck this dude was. Hillary Clinton got the bit, not up there, down here. She got the big old sack on her because she could just say whatever she wants. Dr. Oz doesn't live in Pennsylvania. We got chaos with candidates. But first, I got to clear something up. Yesterday, we discussed backup quarterbacks. Yesterday, I told you. Hey, look, here's the greatest backup quarterbacks of all time. So I did a little research today. I opened up the books I opened up the broken iPad. Now, you got to understand something. My iPad is all busted up. Lovely picture of me and the lovely Lee Ross. Uh, but it's all cracked. It's all busted. But when I open it up, it gives me the answers. Let me give you a little something. The Colts are supposedly tanking. The Colts are putting Sam Ellinger in, which means, according to the media, they're tanking. But let me tell you, right now, 11 of 31 NFL teams are currently playing with a backup. 11, one out of three, actually better than that, are currently playing with a backup. So no, it's not over. Let me go through it a little bit. I didn't even really, I didn't even include the Jets with Flacco to start the season when the knee injury took Zach Wilson out, but Jalen Hurts was drafted as a backup, no different than what Sam Ellinger is. He got his chance when uh, Carson Wentz proved once again he wasn't any good. So next thing you know, who comes in? Jalen Hurts. What's their team? 6-0. Think about that. Backup. Dak Prescott. Cowboys. Highest scoring team when Dak's in. All that kind of no uh, nonsense. You know what he was drafted as? A backup to Tony Romo. You know what he ended up doing? Getting his chance. Beating out Tony Romo. Taylor Heineke. Last week, last year, I don't know about you, but Taylor Heineke, well, he took the Redskins to the playoffs as, guess what, a backup. You know what he did this year? First game out, beat Aaron Rodgers, and we'll get to Aaron Rodgers in a minute here. I will get to Aaron Rodgers, and I keep telling you, man, Aaron Rodgers is starting to give me some gas. But anyway, so Taylor Heineke, backup, Marcus Mariota. I'm not saying that the Falcons are any good, but Marcus Mariota's got them three and four. I mean, they're, they're sniffing it. They're all around it. Marcus Mariota comes over. What was he? Back up. I mean, you get my point here, but I'm not done. Look, I don't think the Panthers are any good, but P.J. Walker came in and beat Tom Brady and beat him handily. Back up. How about Geno Smith? Geno Smith's got uh, the Seattle Seahawks in the lead of their division, Sitting there at four and three, this thing's making me crazy. Guess what Geno Smith is? Backup. He had to beat out Drew Locke for the starting job. You get my point. Uh, Jimmy G, what is he? Backup. Uh, this is a weird one. and uh, it, it, This is going to fall into the same category. 
but I don't know if it really is. But Justin Herbert, remember how he got on the field? Doctor punctured the lung of Tyrod Taylor. So who comes in the backup? Justin Herbert. Everybody's telling me you're tanking when midseason you go to the backup. I gave you a list yesterday of the all-timer backups, including Kurt Warner, Jim Plunkett, Earl Morrill, I mean, uh, Doug Williams, uh, Foles, Nick Foles, Tannehill. Everybody lives in Nashville. It takes my liver four days to ring out being with my wife and daughter and all the beers and music we listen to when we go to Nash Vegas. But you know what Ryan Tannehill came over from Miami to be to Marcus Mariota in Tennessee? Backup. Where did he start as a backup? How did he get his chance? Because Mariota screwed it up. May I continue? There's not many more. The Browns stink. The Steelers stink. Playing backup quarterbacks. But look, I'm looking at 11 quarterbacks right now, and I'm sure I missed one. I'm not going to include Tom Brady. He didn't go to the Buccaneers as a backup. I'm not going to include Lamar Jackson. I'm not going to include Josh Allen. Those guys, when you're a first-round pick that high, you are not considered a backup. You're just a guy in waiting. But these are legitimate backups here. These are guys drafted third, fourth, fifth, whatever rounds. So when somebody tells you, when they look at you and they go, well, you know, the Colts giving Sam Ellinger a chance here, well, they've tanked the season. No, they haven't. Not even a little bit. No, they haven't. They're doing what a lot of teams do. In fact, they're doing historically what a lot of teams have done. And that's saved their season by going to the backup. Speaking of guys that aren't backups, let me give you a couple names. Denver Harris, Chris Marshall, P.J. Williams. Now, these three geniuses are just kids. Yeah, they're just kids that play for Texas A&M. You want to know why Texas A&M is awful? Three and four, one and four, uh, one and three in the SEC. You want to know why they're bad? They got children. I say it all the time. You don't win with children. So there was a locker room incident that was reported as something that hasn't been confirmed, but whatever. You got the, quote, highest paid recruiting class in the country. You got the, quote, greatest recruiting class in the country. Yeah, it's all crap. Let me tell you something. The greatest recruiting class in the history of college basketball, the modern history of college basketball, is 1976 Indiana Hoosiers. Why? Because they went undefeated. (laughs) I don't even know if they were ranked anything. Who knows? Who cares? The number one recruiting class in the history of college football over the last 10 years goes to Nick Saban. They just keep winning. Whoever goes in there just keeps winning. So these guys here, these different guys, these different uh, overpaid children, I guess, or adults, whatever you want, decided that, yeah, you know what? In the locker room, we're going to have a little session. Really? Okay. Have yourself a session. Get yourself suspended. Uh, the Aggies are hosting number 15, Old Miss, this weekend. I hope the Aggies get beat by 173. I don't know Jimbo Fisher. I don't want to know Jimbo Fisher. I don't care about Jimbo Fisher. These guys give me gas in the locker room. Come on, children, grow up. And by the way, speaking of the SEC and speaking to all you people at Notre Dame and all you people in Indianapolis of the Notre Dame club, get off Brian Kelly's backside. Dude's 4-1 and one in his first year in the SEC. Well, you know, he don't play anybody. Yeah, I don't know. He plays in the SEC and he's 4-1 and one after five games. 
Oh, like him. Good. You don't have to like him. Don't tell me the dude can't coach. Don't tell me the dude can't really coach. Nuh-uh. I'm not having it. Brian Kelly can coach. Brian Kelly can really coach. And Brian Kelly, I don't think, is going to win the West. I think Alabama does. But don't at me, people. Brian Kelly's doing one heck of a job in his first year there because Brian Kelly always does one heck of a job. All right. You know what? There's a song. He's got big balls. She's got big balls. But we've got the biggest balls of them all. You know who's got the biggest stones in the world? Hillary Clinton. I'm telling you, Hillary Clinton has got the biggest cojones in the world. Why do I say that? Because she ain't afraid to say anything. The woman has no pride. The woman has no shame. The woman is like an NFL cornerback. She has no memory. Let's hear from Lady Hillary. What's she got to say lately? I know this group really understands what I'm about to say. I know we're all focused on the 2022 midterm elections, and they are incredibly important. But we also have to look ahead because you know what? Our opponents certainly are. Right-wing extremists already have a plan to literally steal the next presidential election. And they're not making a secret of it. The right-wing controlled Supreme Court may be poised to rule on giving state legislatures, yes, you heard me that correctly, state legislatures the power to overturn presidential elections. Just think, if that happens, the 2024 presidential election could be decided not by the popular vote or even by the anachronistic electoral college, but by state legislatures many of them Republican-controlled. But there's also good news in the face of this very real threat to democracy. Indivisible has launched Crush the Coup to make sure we're ready to defend democracy in 2024. They've put together a list of critical races in six key states and how you can get involved. Will you support Crush the coup by donating to indivisible and state legislature candidates. Each of these races is highly competitive and your dollars could very well decide the winners and the winner of the next presidential election. This could not be more important or more urgent. I got to tell you, I want to find out where she got her eyes done first because I need it. And don't tell me she didn't because I know from eyes done. Uh, good for her, man. She's still trying. She's trying so hard. I mean, she's the great uniter. Why is it that everything the party against her or this current guy is going to destroy democracy? Democracy will be destroyed. Yeah, okay. Pull this in place, Jingle Bells. If you continue to vote for this idiot and these idiots, then you're the same as them. She's got the biggest stones, man. She ain't afraid to come out and say anything at any time about anything and ask for your money. Look, I thought that we were all wrong to even question whether an election could be stolen. I thought we were deniers. I thought we were fools 
We were challenging and, in fact, destroying the current state of our democracy by even thinking that the most recent presidential election could have been somehow stolen. You're a denier. You're a bad person. But here she is, the great uniter. And she is the great uniter. Like, if you don't dislike Hillary Clinton, if you don't have disdain and disgust for Hillary Clinton, then you're one of the minority. I get it. There are certain people that say, you know, she inspired me back when she was actually a real woman. She inspired me back when she was one of the first women to get it going. Now she's become a puppet. Now she's become a caricature. She's not who she was. I don't even know if she ever was who she was. But now she's just a caricature. Now she just says whatever, like most do. It's really interesting. It's really amazing. Like, I swear to God, if Hillary Clinton looked like me, she could do a 10-minute infomercial on how great her hair is and not bad an eye. <clears throat> if Hillary Clinton was wearing this, I swear to God, if it meant that she could get a dime out of somebody's pocket, she would argue for hours upon hours that I'm not wearing a red shirt with an IU Adidas logo on it. If it meant that she could get one more dollar for her and old Billy's lifestyle, that's what she would do. They are frauds. They've always been frauds. They will continue to be frauds. They're horrible people. And I got to tell you, if you decide that you are going to follow these people, then God bless you. I am the great uniter. I don't get mad if you go to the other side. I just say, God bless you. Hope it works out well for you. Uh, you know, I, that's how I look at it. You may look at it differently. You may look at it like, hey, what do you got to do? What do you got to do is simply this. What do you got to do is just listen. Go back over the years and listen. Go back over the years and listen to how many times these people change what it is that they say, what it is that they do, and the lack of shame, the lack of remorse. They know and they learn this and they have taught it. Just say anything that people want to hear. And it'll work. It so works. I had to learn this the hard way through Twitter and other things. Now, hell, somebody comes at me, I just say some nonsense and it goes away. It's unbelievable. I used to think you had to be honorable. I used to think you had to be respectful. I used to think that you had to say what was accurate, right, and meaningful. I learned from the Clintons, just say anything. Just say anything you want. Joe Biden can sit here and say the economy's great. Really? Inflation, all-time high. Oh, no, it's not because I signed an inflation reduction. Oh, okay. Speaking of saying anything, how about my man? How about my man Aaron Rodgers? Aaron Rodgers is now dictating who should be playing and who shouldn't be playing for the Green Bay Packers. He says 20% of the time, one out of every five, uh, and this was on our friend Pat McAfee's show, one out of every five times, the Packers make a mistake. Let's get some new people in here. And fans are not happy. Speaking of backup quarterbacks, there are those that are trying to get Aaron Rodgers out and Jordan Love in. Do we have audio or video of this? There's a picture right there of the two of them. In fact, Jordan Love looks good. Aaron Rodgers has decided. Aaron Rodgers has decided that he's the coach. And I'm telling you, I know he's evaluated for years. I'm just telling you as a coach, it's one thing to have players buy in. It's one thing to have players do everything you want. But it's another thing 
to have players evaluate. I've told my son when he played at Ohio State and Michigan, don't evaluate. Don't evaluate. Has Aaron Rodgers earned the opportunity? Absolutely. Has, has he earned the respect to be a part of the coaching staff? Yes, but don't evaluate in public. Because eventually people are going to turn on you. And they're starting to turn on Aaron Rodgers. He can change all that. Don't get me wrong. He changed that with three touchdown passes the first half and a win. But when you start evaluating and you start coaching the team and playing, people eventually say, wait a second here. How about you just do better? And that's what you're seeing in Green Bay. The great Paul Kuharski, uh, nice enough to join us. Uh, hey, Paul, do you agree with what I – is Aaron Rodgers – has Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady earned the right to be above and beyond the team, kind of talk down to the team? Have they earned that right in the NFL world? I can't hear him. I'm just I'm just hearing the tail end of what you said, Dan. I, I tend to agree with with that. I think you know, in a in a spot, in a moment, for motivational purposes, perhaps. Generally, it, you're better off keeping that behind closed doors. Um, so, uh, you know, probably not. Probably not. You know, in Brady's case right now, if you're if you're going to a wedding on a Friday night, if you're missing practices on, on Wednesday, I think guys, you know, no matter how good you are, or how good your resume is, it's probably better that uh, you, you don't say things that give guys a chance to say, I was here. You weren't here. Uh, uh, you're not playing <laughs> great either. I, I don't want to hear hear from you in that way right now. Go lead us. Two of the most handsome bald men you'll ever see. Vin Diesel, my ass. He was he was named the number one, the most handsome bald man in America. I Is would right? look at this screen and you get everything. That you, yeah, I saw it the other day. All right, I was talking about this earlier, Paul, and I'm including Ryan Tannehill in this. You know, backup quarterbacks over the years have done pretty good. Colts making a move. I've got right now 11 of the 32 teams in the NFL that are playing a guy that started out as a backup. I'm not talking about Josh Allen being the third, sixth pick, whatever, and then all of a sudden, you know, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about a guy like Tannehill who comes over as a backup, gets a chance. I'm talking about a guy like Geno Smith who has to beat out a guy. I'm talking about even a Justin Herbert, although he's a little bit iffy there. I'm talking about Dak Prescott, Jalen Hurts, who were drafted later but got a chance. It's not necessarily a death sentence to go to your backup quarterback. Do you feel it is? Well, I think you're fudging the numbers there. I mean, Jalen Hurts, they intended to ultimately start. Herbert was absolutely a starter. Tannehill, you know, started at Miami forever before he came to be uh, Marcus Mariota's backup with the plan that he would probably wind up taking over. So if you go to your actual backup, if the Titans go to Malik Willis here because Tannehill's hurt, you know, you're you're probably in trouble, not against Houston this week, but against Kansas City next week. So if you're trying to say that uh, Ellinger is going to be all right for the Colts, I think you're, you're, you're nuts. I mean, you might luck into – the plan is for, for Chris Ballard, let's see if we luck into something here with a mobile quarterback who can play against this line that we terribly overrated. If we do, great. If we don't, we're going to have a bad record, and maybe we could get the third quarterback in this draft. And Colts fans will have to see what it's like to see if to see if Will Levis is any good instead of knowing that Peyton Manning 
and Andrew Luck are great as they walk through the door. See, I disagree with you. I, I think history says backup quarterbacks can lead you pretty good. I'm not saying – and I wasn't really bringing it back to Ellinger. I'm just saying that so many people say, well, you know, once you go to a backup, you're screwed. And, and I went through the greatest – or among the greatest last yeah, yesterday and then today. You know, guy gets a shot, he does well. I'm not saying uh, Ellinger is at all. He's six-round pick. But I will say this, um, historically, it hasn't been a death knell, but it also depends well, you're, you're on who's saying that backup quarterback quarterbacks. Is. You're saying backup quarterbacks and going, I think, to like best-case scenarios like Jeff Hostetler. I'm, you're, I hear backup quarterbacks, and I think Mike Glennon, who is, you know, I think yeah. he's finally out of the league, thank God. I've been praying for that for years. But when Mike Glennon <laughs> comes into the game, it's a guaranteed disaster. I, I wish I knew we were talking about this. I would have had a list. But most backup quarterbacks in the league right now suck because the last eight quarterbacks in the league right now suck. And so if you don't even have enough starting quarterbacks, you certainly don't have enough backup quarterbacks. The best you're hoping for, if you're backup, if he's not a draft pick who you're waiting on and being patient with, um, the best you're hoping for is that they come in, don't uh, in game, come in, don't make many mistakes, um, and uh, and help you not lose. And then if they've got to start for a month, if they could go 500, um, that'd be terrific. You're scaling down your game plan. You're you're trying to win generally with a run game and a defense. Fans think that the backup quarterback is is, is a solution if the if the star if if he's coming in because the starter's struggling, but that that's a generally a, a mess. Give me give me some some backups right now who are coming in who are going to heave the ball and uh, and and lift an offense. I mean that that's a complete rarity. Well, I would argue that Heineke certainly last year and this year. Geno Smith was a guy that had was a backup. He certainly uh, lifted. You know, Jimmy G, you can argue. Now, they haven't been great, but I get your point. I do. But to me, when you look at the Colts and the Titans and you say, okay, game's over, Titans win. For whatever the reason, Titans don't score a touchdown, but they win. This is the conversation in Indy, and I'm curious your thought on it. So you decide to make a change. You decide to make a change at quarterback. And the change comes from the owner. You know, everybody here knows this, understands this. Does that in certain ways, people are saying that emasculates the GM and the coach. Does it in your mind? Who cares? Emasculate the hell out of them. I I, I mean – Frank Reich, I think that two Mondays this this year where he could have been or maybe in some people's eyes should have been fired. So I don't care if you're emasculating the, the, the coach, if he, uh, you know, continues to not produce wins. I heard Albert Breer, who I, I respect a ton um, on NFL radio lately saying he just now, based on what he knows, is coming to the idea that Jim Irsay would consider uh, moving on from Reich and Ballard after this season. Well, in any other normal situation, based on, on the owner's expectations and what we've heard about this talented roster and, and the owner's contempt for the Titans 
having flipped this series, the, the, the status of the coach and GM would be uh, discussed and there, there would be no question that their futures would be uh, in trouble. So, you know, if, if fans have concerns that poor Frank Reich and, and Chris Ballard are being emasculated because the owner is, is uh, forcing their hands, those guys should be glad that the hand that he's forcing isn't uh, their hand to severance papers. Uh, to 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 sign. I mean, goodness gracious, these guys get treated uh, like like royalty. There, I, I think you overdo it with your your abuse of the uh, indie media. I'm friends with a lot of those guys, and I think they do good jobs. But I, if I'm a Colts fan, I'd say to Ursay, emasculate some more, emasculate us to some wins. Well, I think you're friends with the dumbest of the dumb and people that have absolutely no idea about what's actual. So, I mean, we can agree to disagree, but they don't do a good job. They're as bad as any time. They're just uninformed. I mean, they just the Indy Star hired children and the guys with the Athletic and ESPN hold, and they're just simply guys that are in pocket. I mean, that's just, you know, everybody knows that. Everybody's found that out. Uh, Now, difference between the Titans and the Colts. Well, it, the number one difference between them is is uh, Vrabel and Reich. I mean, Vrabel knows how to win games. Vrabel knows how to to uh, overcome losses of players. Look, Titans have a first round cornerback in Caleb Farley uh, from last year who's just struggling. He's he's terrible. He gives up deep balls over his head. He played like nine snaps in in Washington in their last game before the bye. He played zero snaps against the Colts. What they did is they took their their starting safety, Amani Hooker, a good player. They moved him to Nickelback, and they inserted a guy they claimed off uh, Pittsburgh's practice squad at the end of September, Andrew Adams, who nobody knows anything about. And when they were in nickel, which was most of the time, Andrew Adams played safety next to Kevin Byer, and Amani Hooker, the safety, played nickel. Now, this is a, you know, wrinkle that's out of nowhere that Vrabel and his staff come up with for Colts week. And it's an effective solution, so much so that Hooker forces a fumble. Adams returns an interception 76 yards for a touchdown. And they're the two leading tacklers in the game with 10 each. So this is this is Vrabel's latest magic trick. I invite Colts fans to give me something comparable that Frank Reich has done this this year. What Frank Reich did on Sunday was he was busy arguing with an official over a face mask call. He got the call in too late to Matt Ryan, who couldn't audible out of it in time to not throw the interception. That that to me is a A plus coach versus a C minus coach. So uh, it, it starts right there. And uh, I, I just think Mike Vrabel um, finds ways to win, generally speaking, sometimes with vastly, I don't want to say inferior talent. I think the Titans' talent is, is a touch better than the Colts. But he's shuttling people in and out based on injuries, based on John Robinson's failures in the draft, and he figures out ways to make things work. And uh, I don't put Frank Reich in that, in that class at all. Uh, I think we're seeing Brian Dayball do kind of the same thing with the Giants. Um, and, and that's why he's one of the stories of the year. 
I will, Paul, I got to give Paul Kuharski great credit because he came on my Indianapolis show, and at the end I asked him, what's going to be the difference in the game? And you said exactly that. You said the difference is going to be between the two coaches, and there's no question in my mind that that came to fruition, period. So hats off to you, my friend. Easy prediction to make, I think. Uh, and and I, look, I'm not Taylor, one to call Dan. I'm not one to call for coaching changes or or coaching, uh, yeah. you know, off with their heads. And and I don't cover the Colts, but I I don't I you know and and I don't know Reich at all. I I've talked to Ballard a couple times. Obviously, he's a terrific guy. Uh, great quote. But I, I don't I don't understand uh, how the lack of wins doesn't translate to them being in trouble and 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 why they would be in place next year, um, frankly. Uh, hey, let me. I, I agree with you. I think they got lucky when they when they got off the plane last year, last game against Jacksonville, and had a come to Jesus meeting with the owner. First time he's ever done that in his regime, Jimmy Irsay. I, I was surprised given what I heard, that they lasted. And then, of course, you made the comment, Paul, that Ursay, you know, has targeted the Titans. And I look at it like this also, Paul. I, I look at it like the Titans have an internal toughness and a belief. And I don't know how to quantify that in an NFL team, but it just seems like that comes from Vrabel as well. Build a culture. You know, all these coaches, when they come in, talking talk about building a culture. And it, uh, a lot of times it turns out to be talk. In Vrabel's, in Vrabel's circumstances, having been a player on two teams with very good cultures, three teams with very good cultures, Pittsburgh, New England, and Kansas City, um, he, and, and being a you know, really good player, um, he understands that, that culture stuff. He was on staff at Ohio State with uh, with your guy, and uh, and and on staff in in Houston with Bill O'Brien, who for a time had a good culture there. Uh, he understands what you need, and he's done a hell of a job um, building it. And the most successful coaches, I mean, if you want to go through the NFL, go through the standings, and and don't think about who the coach is. Think about what the culture is, and if if you give a check mark to a culture, generally, you're going to see a team with a good record or that you feel good about going forward. Uh, what did you think of Jonathan Taylor, the run game, that kind of stuff? What 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 did you think? You know, I, I the Titans have Jonathan Taylor's number, so I, I don't look at a Titans Colts game and get too critical of of uh, under usage. I mean, look. I know Ryan's arm is shot and that the Colts aren't a downfield team, but the Titans major weakness is giving up big plays. So I don't understand how you don't come into that game determined to, to take at least one crack a quarter downfield because the Titans give up major plays and the, the big plays for the Colts were uh, 20 yards was the long play. And they had a couple 14 yard plays. I think you got to push the ball downfield against the Titans no matter what, because they're super susceptible there. And instead, you know, it was check down city and short, short passing stuff that, you know, is, is a complete win for the Titans throughout, throughout that game. Um, and, and, you know, look, I, Reich has to have figured out how to balance the passing and the running game better than he did so far. I thought, 
the two games previous against the Jaguars where they had no running backs and had to throw it a ton and threw it successfully, you know, might've given them like, okay, here's a blueprint for what we can do passing. Now let's meld that with the running game. Um, but, but now you're changing quarterbacks. So I, I don't know what, what the blueprint for them going forward is. And because of this dumb scheduling quirk, uh, I've seen the Colts twice and I won't see them, you know, for more than bits and pieces going forward. It held their division schedules almost over. So uh, it, it, it's a dumb scheduling thing for the NFL. And uh, but I don't think we're going to hear from the Colts here. I don't think they're, they've got a chance at a, at a wild card even. I think they're going to fade to black and, uh, you know, we'll see what Ellinger does. That's the one interesting thing about them now. That's it. I mean, there was nothing interesting. Last thing before I let you go, you know, I was there. I, I don't know nothing about it, but I got to tell you, uh, Nissan Stadium and the surroundings, pretty nice area. It's different. Everything's right there. Uh, parking lots, people were out there early, but a new stadium is coming. You've reported on it. Give me your thoughts. Uh, first, is it needed? Second, there's got to be a bigger plan, right, to expand maybe Broadway across the river. I mean, what's going on here in Nashville? Well, say goodbye to the parking lots. That's going to be the the one thing. It, it's going to be difficult to get to this place. Uh, it looks different. It doesn't look like a stadium on the outside. It looks maybe like a library or an art museum, which uh, uh, yeah, I think kind of melds into the city uh, more nice and more nicely. Um, you know, I think you're going to have some full-time restaurants on the outside there. They're building up the neighborhood outside that the, the Titans are giving the city back 66 acres there to develop. And uh, a decent percentage of that is going to be parks. So this is going to be built in the big parking lot behind the stadium. And then when the stadium's blown up, um, there'll be a lot of space between the stadium and the river. Um, and so that's going to be, I think, a lot of green space. Um, and then, you know, to, to the sides of the stadium, they'll build up a neighborhood where uh, a lot of that drinking and pre-gaming and stuff can take place on the stadium side of the river, as well as uh, across the river where you can walk a- across the footbridge. The stadium itself, you know, in, inside looks really nice, Dan, but it looks, you know, like a lot of uh, indoor stadiums look now there's only so much you can do lucas oil stadium did a really nice job of being distinct uh outside of those shadows that we we've talked and complained about um so i i think it's cool it's good for the city because they they want um final fours and college football playoffs and wrestlemania and year-round stuff and so they'll be able to have that but, you know, I think we'll feel some pangs about losing uh, outdoor football on grass in a city that's perfectly uh, fine climate wise for that. So they're making a trade off in order for the city to have uh, other stuff. Um, but it looks pretty cool and it could be up and running as soon as 2026. Yeah, I, I saw your uh, I, I saw you reporting. on it. it looks awesome. I mean, the whole thing looks great. But again, I love. I love going to Nashville. I just have a great time, and I love walking around the city. Paulie, thank you, my yeah, friend. Yeah, old stadium, by the way, just, uh, I mean, it's so outdated. Initially, they wanted to redo it, kind of like Miami did, but uh, they thought it cost $600 million. They, they looked at it, it would have cost $1.2 Well, when you get to $1.2 billion 
you know, new stadiums, 2.1 billion. You, you got to go that direction. <laughs> What's another 900 million among people? I mean, that's all just, you know. Exactly. Thank you, my friend. Good to be Thank with you. you. Take care. Hey, thanks for See coming on our show when I, you were in town. Always, always. Uh, I'm, I'm Paul joking. You didn't. I know you are. You didn't ask. All you got to do is ask. I don't want to intrude. intrude. Standing invitation. Yeah, what am I going to do? Walk in? What am I going to do? Walk in? in. Hey, guys, I'm here. See you, brother. Yeah, but I wish I had a mic. See you, brother. I got out of there without any Matt Ryan talk. I'm glad. All right, we'll come back. I got a lot to get to with you people, including Philip Fulmer coming up. John Fetterman is a mess. Aaron Judge, where are you going? We could have been a contender. We'll be right back. Man, I'm fired up. Sack the hell up and don't go anywhere. Don't at me. We'll be right back after this. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. All right, we talked about, <clears throat> excuse me, we talked about Aaron Rodgers and the good folks <laughs> in Green Bay being a little pissed. How about Aaron Judge? Like, look, don't do this, Aaron Judge. Don't. Don't. Aaron Judge made comments that I guess got a lot of people upset, including me. I don't care about the Yankees. I care about the Cubs. If Aaron Judge wants to come to the Cubs, I am all in on it. Let's go to Aaron Judge. You ready? Can we go see a little, hear from Aaron Judge? What's that? Yeah, you know, I've been clear about that, you know, since I first wore the pinstripes, but, you know, we couldn't get something done before spring training, and, you know, I'm a free agent. Let's see what happens. No, 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 no. Robinson Cano, no. Robinson Cano, no, don't leave the Yankees. Now, people are, he's smart for saying that, of course. Fans are smart and upset for being upset. A guy that's neutral like me wants him on the Yankees because when the Yankees are good, I'm interested. Not interested in the Diamondbacks. I like the San Francisco Giants. The Dodgers, I do like. I'm interested. Phillies, I've become interested, but other than that, who are you really interested in baseball? You're interested in the Red Sox, the Yankees. And if you're Aaron Judge, you want to be an all-timer? Stay with the Yankees. Now, I know people are calling him a choker, but shut up. Dude carried a team on his back all year. Short series, you get beat, you get beat. Stop it with that. But my goodness, no! Don't be stupid. I say this all the time. Derek Jeter would not have been Derek Jeter if he was playing in Kansas City, he'd have been great. He'd have been a Hall of Famer, but he wouldn't have been Derek Jeter. Don't do it. <clears throat> Somebody, anybody, Dylan, Ryan, get Aaron Judge, is, get his agent on the phone and tell him not to be a stupid. A stupid what? Just a stupid. What's wrong with you? I get it, though. And I am overreacting a skosh because... 
I get that he, even though he was doing an interview in a Yankees hat with a Yankees background, he's not supposed to say, I'm staying with the Yankees. That's not what he's supposed to say. Stop it. That's not, no, of course not. Everybody understands that. You're not supposed to say that. You're a free agent. We'll see what happens. I completely, excuse me, I completely get it. I do. Totally get it. All right. But damn, this is a warning. I'm giving you a warning. I'm just giving you a warning. You want to play baseball? You play in LA, in New York, in Boston, and maybe in Chicago. Maybe. That's it. That's it. Hey, you can travel around and win on other teams. Bryce Harper on the Phillies has his moment. Now, here you go. But don't even think about leaving the Yankees when you are Mr. Yankee. It does not work out. Speaking of does not work out, ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, here's the deal. This guy, John Fetterman, I know he had a stroke. But last night, he and Dr. Oz had a debate. And this guy, Fetterman, is a mess. Do we have the video of what he's talking about with fracking? Mr. Oz, I do want to clarify something. You're saying tonight that you support fracking, that you've always supported fracking. But there is that 2018 interview that you said, quote, I don't support fracking at all. So how do you square the two? Uh, I, I, I do support fracking, and I don't, I don't, I support fracking, and I stand, and I do support fracking. Okay. Thank you, Mr. Fetterman. On I'm sorry, the- Lisa. Now, the, in fairness, he got off to the slow start because at least it, listen, it heard, I heard that the moderator uh, kind of screwed that up. But if you watch this last night, look, I, 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 go ahead. Give me the other one. Well, anyway, I'll be right back with that. But this guy Fetterman, he literally, now he had a stroke, so I feel bad saying anything. But when you decide you're going to continue to run, when you decide you can, you are going to continue to run and you're going to debate, you're not going to show your medicals. And the whole thing was unfreaking believable last night. I got to tell you, I like watching debates. And I don't know the issues necessarily, but I watch the believability of candidates. And I'll give you an example. Back in the first debate, when Al Gore first debated George W. Bush, I believe it was. If you, so a lot of you will remember this. I noticed this before anybody. He put blush on his cheeks. Al Gore did. Why did he do that? Because that's what Ronald Reagan did. Now think about that. So I'm like, yeah, well, this guy Gore is an idiot. This guy Gore thinks we're all idiots. I ain't voting for this guy Gore, but I did listen. I did pay attention. And I found that Gore was exactly what I thought. And that was a fool. But this guy, honest to God, This guy is astounding in how ridiculous he is. This guy failed to pay taxes, according to Dr. Ike, 67 times. I swear to God, I don't know how you guys go about it, but I'm afraid if I don't pay my tax like way before, 
I have a system with my accountant. Hey, let me know. I'll get him out there. We'll pay estimates, blah, 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 blah. But he wants to raise Pennsylvania's taxes and support 87,000 new IRS agents to audit you. I got to tell you, this whole thing is nuts. But I don't even know if this guy Fetterman knows what he stands for because I don't think, and this is really sad, I don't think this guy Fetterman knows even where he is. I've never seen anything like it. I've never seen anything like it. I'm going to talk about this at the end of the show, but I am absolutely astounded that these are the people we throw out there in front of us and actually make them or make us believe that these are viable candidates. It's amazing. It's astounding. It's stupid. All right, Kanye West, we talked about this yesterday, and a number of athletes belong to Kanye West's company. We talked yesterday about Adidas saying, nope, we're out. Well, Aaron Donald and Jalen Brown, Jalen Brown is a young star getting older now of the Boston Celtics. They announced they have both left Donda Sports. Donda Sports is the agency that Kanye West has where he's representing athletes. Kanye West not only has this agency, but he also has a prep school that plays high school basketball at a very high level. That prep school just got canceled from a couple events, which I think is sad. I mean, you can punish Kanye West for being a jackass. You can punish Kanye West for being whatever you think Kanye West is, but don't punish kids. Kids are on a basketball team, man. See, I always go to common sense. Why does a kid even think about going to Kanye West's school? Because he thinks Kanye West is an icon. He doesn't care about his politics. He doesn't care about any of that. He wants to go play basketball at a high-level school. So let me divide the two. First, athletes, good move. You can't, as Aaron Donald or Jalen Brown, walk around and say, hey, look, we're going to let this man represent us. Because that's what you're doing when you let an agency represent you. It's not the guy that's the agent. It's the organization. So let's say for the sake of argument, Aaron Donald and Jalen Brown have Jimmy Smith as their agent. That's their actual agent. But the umbrella of it is who? It's Kanye West. So now you have these anti-Semitic horrific comments that I've talked about on this show. I don't want the umbrella of Kanye West influencing what anybody thinks of me. There are plenty of agents out there. There are plenty of people that would line up to take 10% of Aaron Donald, to take 10% of Jalen Brown. They would line up today, tomorrow, and the next day and not even think about it, have no issue with it, so don't even mess with it. Don't even mess with it. Now, the school is a little bit of a different deal, don't you think? I mean, don't you think? I mean, let's be honest. The school, come on. I mean, these are kids. You know, Donda, and I'm, gonna, I'm looking this up for you so I have it exactly right, but this Donna school, I mean, come on. I mean, let's not be idiots here on kids. We don't necessarily need to punish kids. Kanye West opened a Christian private school called Donda Academy. All right, parents are supposed to sign non-disclosure agreements. 15 grand a year. 
The school is not accredited. So there's going to be a Netflix thing on this. But, but, there is a high school massive event, okay? And what happens in these events? Many times ESPN picks them up. College coaches goes, you get a chance to get seen, right? Well, at his Donda Academy, I'm just reading this to you, they're not going to be able to play in this. The Scholastic Play-by-Play Classics announced that Donda has been scrapped from the schedule. There's a number of games claiming West words and actions violate our values as a company and a country and what we seek to ensure at all in our sporting events. All right, I get it. It's got five national locations. A lot of guys have played, LeBron and Durant. I get it. I do. I, I understand Donda was supposed to play December 11th in Louisville. They said, no, I get it. But I just feel bad. I feel bad. There's kids going to Kentucky. There's other kids are being recruited. Look, you go to those schools, you want to play in big-time events. And a lot of people will say, well, you get what you paid for. You do a deal with the devil, and you're going to get what you paid for. And I get I do. I, I totally get it. It's not something that I don't understand. It's just something. I never like to see kids punished for the actions of adults. Because let's be honest, us adults are idiots. I mean, let's just be honest about it, shall we? I mean, we're damn fools. All right, last night, last night, uh, Clay Thompson and Devin Booker got into it. And I didn't like this out of Clay Thompson. I understand it. Again, I understand it. So Clay Thompson and Devin Booker, they get into a thing. Uh, Golden State's getting blown out. Phoenix is feeling themselves. So Clay Thompson, eventually, he gets the boot. You're gone. And he starts doing this, showing all his rings to the crowd. And I'm cool with that. I, I guess. I'm all right with it. But here's the deal. Two things are involved in this. One... See, I look at Klay Thompson and Steph Curry, not Draymond Green. How's he had a job, by the way? But I look at those two guys as kind of being above the whole, look at my rings. We know. Like, they got to be above that, and I think most times they are. But, hey, emotions get you. And then I like what Devin Booker says, man, I love Klay Thompson. Hey, that doesn't excuse us from competing against each other and talking a little mess with each other and fighting a little bit. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Good for Devin Booker. Hey, look, he grew up liking or wanting, not wanting to be, but he grew up not idolizing, but really liking Clay Thompson as a player. Patterned some of his game, both shooters. It's all right to throw hands and go at it. Not throw hands, but it's all right to go at it with each other, get physical with each other, compete like crazy against each other to the point where one guy gets the boot. It's fine. What's the problem? And then say, hey, look, I love the dude. Thought he was great. That's the way sports should be. That's the way this all should go. I'm just telling you. All right, are we going to show this? Can we show this uh, goaltender from the um, Las Vegas? What's that? I'm going to give him a second before they show this. Uh, yeah, we got some stuff to show you. See, that's why I never had a problem. Remember when Isaiah and Magic used to kiss and people were like, ah, that's weird. Why are guys kissing? What are they doing? I never really had a problem with it because I knew once the ball got tossed up, 
They were going to fight like crazy. Yeah, I never had a problem with Bird and Magic being in a commercial together because I knew once the ball went up, they were going to fight like crazy. The modern NBA guy, I don't feel like that. Like, I feel like Frank Kaminsky's going to be like, well, no, no, don't fight because we have the same agent. You know what I mean? Or LeBron is going to be recruiting guys in the middle of the game to go over to his agency. But these two guys, Clay Thompson and Devin Booker, I kind of dig. You got to see this. Let's show it. How about that? 990 games in the NFL. Think about that. 990 games. This is not, ladies and gentlemen, the NBA where you go down the lane and somebody hit. That's over 12 years of battling every night. Remember, the NHL plays as many games as the NBA. And these NBA guys, they got to take a break. LeBron James once came to Indy and sat out for load management game 11. 11, halfway through a high school season, in Indiana anyway, where you played 20 games, he had to sit game 11. Now look, I'm all for rest. I'm all for a little bit of load management. I'm for whatever. But I'm more for this guy right here. I'm more for Phil Kessel. 990 games. People get mad at me because I say, look, man, I had Uncle Jerry. Uncle Jerry went to the steel mill every day, poured steel, clean steel, clean big vats every day for 40 some years. Every day. I guess he got Saturday and Sunday off. Okay. Every day. Cops show up every day, go into places. Teachers every day at 5.30. People get mad when you say that, right? Particularly when you compare it to their sports idols. They do. They get so mad at me when I do that. Like LeBron needed game 11. 11. Good for Phil Kessel, man. Our first time I started recognizing streaks was the great sweet swinging Billy Williams. Uh, the Chicago Cubs was getting ready to break the National League consecutive game record. And it dawned on me, dudes show up. Dudes show up to play. Not everybody now, but Phil Kessel does. And I am all in on it. Game 11. Nah. I'm a little tired. I'm a little done. Hey, you Colts fans, let me give you some numbers. You ready real quick? Here's some numbers for you. World's greatest roster, according to our media. They've given up 24 sacks, 80 quarterback hits, 110 pressures. Fumbled 23 times. 30th in rushing with Jonathan Taylor. 29th in scoring with Jonathan Taylor. Average depth of passing target, 5.9 yards. Next time you see one of these idiots on television, particularly the idiot Stephen Holder on television telling you this is a Super Bowl roster, covers the Colts. Next time you see one of these guys writing how good the Colts are, Keep those numbers in mind. I hope it changes. But I told you before the season, this was a house made of sand. Don't let your team be a house made of sand. Man, 
24 pressures, 80 quarterback hits, 110, I'm sorry, 24 sacks, 80 quarterback hits, 110 pressures, 23 fumbles, 11 by the quarterback, 30th in rushing with Jonathan Taylor, and the highest priced, the highest priced offensive line in football. Next time you hear one of these idiots, including some guys on our own network, tell you that Chris Ballard is the greatest GM in the league and Frank Reich is an elite coach, I got two words for him. Oh, hell no. I got to get a chin when I do that. Oh, hell no. <laughs> we'll, be, we'll be right back. The great Philip Fulmer. Now, Philip Fulmer, national champion. I got to find this out. I got to find out. All right, you got Peyton. You don't win national championship. T. Martin comes in. You win a national championship. It's one of the great untold stories. People get on me and say, well, you're disparaging Peyton. You're just talking bad about Peyton. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. I'm asking a question because this is legitimately what happened. T. Martin won a national championship. Peyton Manning didn't. Yeah, Dylan just sent me this. Hey, man, Kawhi Leonard was out nearly all last year, and they're managing his minutes. Maybe they're doing it for injury. I don't know. But the NBA gives me gas with this. It just does. Fun to watch occasionally. Last night, good stuff. But it does give a guy gas. All right, and don't forget what the hell Wednesday coming up. And, ladies and gentlemen, we got a big weekend coming I got to do a better job of sharing my in-game betting because my game day betting, but pre-game betting stinks. And when I say stinks, I mean stinks. To high heavens, it stinks. It's awful. But in-game, I am dynamite. Adjusting on the fly, I am ridiculous. And I got to tell you, I got to do a better job, but all you got to do is go to OutKick, and they will take you right to DraftKings. DraftKings, bet $5, get $200 in free bets for new users. Put a little bit of money in, not a lot, don't lose your mind, or put a lot in and go get rich. Go get like Mattress Matt. Mac, Mattress Mac. Telling you, there it is, right there, outkick.com slash bet. We'll be right back with the great, the Hall of Famer, the national champion, Philip Fulmer, next. That's it. I got to take a break. We'll be right back with more on Don't At Me across the Outkick Network. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. You know, I've told you on this show, even being an Indiana basketball coach with Coach Knight and then as a head coach, I just like Tennessee football. I did. I just, I always watched it. When they played Florida, it was incredible. Coach Phil Fulmer was a guy that I grew up studying and wanted to see how he did his thing. He's nice enough to join us now. Coach, first, thanks for coming on. Second, it's amazing, particularly in the great state of Indiana where Peyton Manning is such an icon. People think that you won the national championship with Peyton, but it was T. Martin the next year, right? How'd that come about? Well, 
<laughs> yeah. Peyton certainly helped lay the foundation for, for that. We recruited to him and around him, you know, for all those years that he was there. So there was a lot of great players there. And, and you mentioned Florida. Us and Florida were the two teams in the conference there, best teams in the conference by far. And it was, it was kind of back and forth. If they had the playoff then that they have now, we would have probably been in the, in the championship, you know, several of those years. Uh, probably Florida would have too, Dan, no more than likely. But, you know, T waited his time. He had, he, you know, it was, I'm glad the portal wasn't, or transfer portal wasn't in place at the time because he might have, he might not have stayed, but he stayed and waited his time, learned a lot of, behind Peyton. And then we had a really good team around T. And then T just played phenomenal from the Syracuse. Oh, uh, last play of the game win all the way to the national championship. He just continued to get better and better. And then had a, it was a junior season, had a great senior season as well. So we're always grateful for the guys that, that uh, leave a legacy and Peyton left the legacy for us to continue on and do well. Yeah. Coach, you wanted to punch or maybe you did punch Steve Spurrier, didn't you? You had to, you had to want to punch <laughs> Yeah, Steve and I, people think we're bitter enemies. Steve, Steve and I are actually pretty good friends. And uh, I tell him all the time or anybody that listens, he's a good guy until they put a microphone in front of him. So, uh, but we, 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 we're, I'm, I'm glad he's healthy and doing well. And his wife, Jerry, uh, they're all good friends of ours. Coach, what do you think so far? Uh, the Vols are the story in college football. Give me your take on the team. And it's a, it's a great story. I mean, uh, they've Heupel's done a super job. You know, the administration there is, is just in my time as athletic director. And now obviously with Danny, they're just so supportive and, and into it. So all the pieces are in place, but he's taken a, a group of guys that nobody expected too much of this year in his second year and put himself in the national championship mix. And that's not an easy thing to do. Uh, he's beaten some good teams, probably more ranked teams than anybody else in the conference to this point in the, in the, in the uh, season. Uh, offensively, they're just dynamite. I mean, they're, they're, they're really, really good. The scheme is good, and they've got players all around to, to make it work. What's amazing is how well the defense is playing when they really weren't expected to. So – and they're playing the kicking game. They're not making mistakes, not a bunch of penalties in the game or anything like that. And if they can stay on that path, you know, lots of good things can happen. Coach, was that expected? Like this, this, you know, he took over, Heupel did. You know, scholarships are down, things like that. The program was in a bit of a, a, bit of a mess. Um, this, this ahead of schedule in your mind? Oh, I, I think certainly he's ahead of schedule. They're, they're, the cover wasn't there. There were some good players obviously there and the transfer portal has helped everybody in this kind of situation. But, uh, I would definitely say that he's, uh, he has to be ahead of schedule for, for the season that he's, that he's had here. And the biggest thing is they've continued to get better. They, you know, I think every week you go to, I'll go and watch practice every week. You see a very intense group of coaches and players out there working together to, to get better. They're not, just feeling good about themselves. I think, uh, I think they've got some real possibilities in front of them. 
Coach, a play, you coached at Tennessee. I, I, I played for Bob Knight at Indiana, and one of the things I tell people about Coach Knight was, man, when you won a big game, yeah, you were happy, but you were expected to win the next big game. You know, that's, that's how we did it there. How difficult is that at a place like Tennessee where people are so into it? Yeah, the, the outside pressures become pressures, you know. I mean, it's they can say, well, that doesn't bother me, but, you know, it, 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 it really does. And the young players, it depends on how you handle it. And, and I'm sure Coach Knight just made ex- expectations, and this is the way it's going to be, and this is the way we're going to do it, and here's how you get here, and if you'll follow me, we'll get there. And I think that's what uh, Josh has done at, at UT. Hey, we're, we're not maybe the, the best team in the country right now, but we have a chance – to be the best team every Saturday that we play. And, and if you can do that and keep winning, then, uh, then you know, at the end of the year, if, if you got them all, you'll be in the, all one, you're going to be in the, in the national mix. And uh, I think that's what they've done. They've, he's done a great job taking them one at a time, you know, and working to get better. And you can just see the more, more of the young players are contributing now. Uh, on the team, and, and that's what you have to have, build depth and, and have good players play the best on Saturday. What do you see out of Hendon Hooker? A special young man. I mean, his numbers are just you, like that, – that looks like a misprint. You know, there's just what, – what he's done throwing the football is incredible. But it, he must be a really outstanding young man in the huddle, uh, in the locker room. You know, coming to practice, I, I read all these things, you know, things he do, does in the community. You know, he's, he's just an all-around young man that loves his team and, you know, has benefited from the COVID years. You know, had, he had a chance to stay around a little bit. That's helpful. Uh, so, um, from all I understand, I don't know him personally, but he, he is a really, really quality young man that you'd love to be around just on a daily basis, not just take football out of the – out of the fray there. He's, he's a special person. Kentucky, Tennessee, I mean, they're rivals just by natural geography. What are we going to see this weekend? Well, yeah, Kentucky always plays their best against uh, Tennessee. And uh, we've had to play our best, you know, in recent years especially because, uh, you know, they are a really, really fine football team. Uh, physical on both sides of the ball. You know, it gets to be a concern when you can't get the ball back. You know, those long drives that that they that they tend to do. Rodriguez, the running back's a really good player. The quarterback's going to be a pro guy. You know, so they've got talent for sure. And um, I don't think you have to worry about this team taking anybody for granted. I mean, they're so hungry and and working so hard. To, they'll they'll be ready to play. Our team at Tennessee will be ready to play their best ball game. And they're going to have to be because Kentucky's capable of beating. Coach, when you see Tennessee playing well, what what are you seeing them doing? Well, as I said, they they're not making mistakes. I mean, there's a lot of ways to skin a cat. A lot of people, you know, throwing football, running football, you know, something in the kicking game, play great defense, conservative offense. They are wide open on offense, and that's that's special. And they've got a really really um, outstanding uh, scheme that they, they just challenge people to spread out. If you don't spread out, we're going to hit big plays on you. If you spread out, we're going to run the football. 
you know, it's not, it's not rocket science, it's not brand new, but they've got a whole system and scheme that, that they believe in that's working really, really well right now. Uh, the matter of the defensive side of the ball, you know, it, it is, is surprising that we've done as well as we have done, and hopefully we can, we can keep doing that. Uh, we don't have a, just a dynamic pass rusher that showed up. You know, we don't really play the run all the time that great. We certainly have given up our share of, of, um, of passes, but it seems like we always find a way to make a play to get a stop or two and, and, uh, and, and end up winning the ball game. I don't like having to outscore people, you know, but, uh, but if we have to, we can. Coach, I want to get back to something you talked about with you in Florida back in the day and the national scene in the playoffs. We've got four teams right now. There's a lot of talk of expansion sooner than later. Where are you at in all that discussion of expanding the playoff? Yeah, I've been I've been all over the place with that. You know, way when I coached, I didn't want anywhere. You know, I wanted just to because we were pretty close or in the mix. You know, every time, but. I think for college football, it, it, it'd be great if it goes to another number. 12 looks like right the right number. You know, they'll have to figure out all the scheduling and, and stuff with, with that and the bowl games. And, you know, I hope they just don't get killed. And then to me, it's also exciting that there may be some campus games, you know, and that I can imagine what Tennessee's Neyland Stadium would look like, you know, if we're playing in a, in a semifinals in, 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 in the, uh, in Neyland stadium. So, um, I, I think it needs to be expanded and I think that's where it looks to me like everything is headed. You know, coach, we saw, it was one of the great scenes in college football, right? I mean, the goalposts come down, crowds going nuts, but then the Alabama kid, you know, he takes a little – not a little swipe. He takes a swipe at the girl. Nick Saban doesn't suspend. What would you have done in that situation, given the information that you saw? You know, Dan, I'm not familiar with what you're talking about. There must have been something happened that I didn't read about. But, uh, <clears throat> uh, you know, you'd have to know all the facts before you can make a statement like that. So I don't know. Yeah, that's cool. I mean, it, 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 it became a thing on social media. A guy hit one of the, the student, a young lady at Tennessee. Uh, it, it kind of silly that he did it, and Nick Saban chose not to suspend him. And as a former coach, I kind of say what you said, except we got video. All right, going back, how difficult is it when you know you've got to prepare for a team like Alabama and Nick Saban as a coach? What's the, is there any difference in his deal than anybody else's? <laughs> Well, his system, his system defensively is challenging, certainly. And I think, you know, over time and everybody's, you know, learning how better to attack it. Uh, offensively, it's been, you know, more of the great receivers and the great quarterback and, and the great running backs. You know, it's, it's, schematically, it's not that much different than anything else, but you know, historically, Alabama's secondary and defensive, how they defended uh, run and pass, uh, had some uniqueness to it. And it took a while to get uh, to get ready for it during the week. Uh, you even worked on, we even worked on some of the stuff in spring practice because <clears throat> it was different. But I think over a period of time, it's, you know, everybody's starting to see it more and, know, and understand it better. 
get big what plays. Is, what on what is the defense? What's that? I said just trying to get big plays on them, you know, because they're they're going to try to stop whatever you do best. What you mentioned that his defense it's challenging. What 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 is the does he do something schematically different? Does he put people in different yeah. places than others? What what is the challenge? Other than great players. Great. Yeah, it starts with great players. That's that's for sure, and they, and they have those. But it's the it's uh it's the coverages mostly. Uh, you know how they how they get extra support in the run, or how they match up uh, wide receivers, or you know find a way to double a receiver that in a way that you didn't really expect it. And confusion happens, you know, to, well, in the, at the quarterback position. So uh, those kind of things have always made them. Uh, you know, really difficult. Now, other people are doing it now. They've studied it and learned, and and uh, it's not quite the uniqueness uh, that it was, but it's still it's still pretty hard because he 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 can be the master of those guys in the secondary. Coach, I got a lot of folks that li- live here in Indy that watch this. You're recruiting Peyton Manning. What's one thing that maybe you remember from Peyton's recruitment going back? Yeah, Dan, that was, you know, I, I knew Archie. Uh, we had played against each other, and we had a mutual, a couple of mutual friends and had been in golf tournaments and things around, you know. So I knew I knew Archie, and I knew he he respected uh, Tennessee, and Peyton was this guy that was going to study everything about a, a, a place and, and like he does everything. And, uh, you know, we just had had uh, – Heath Schuler here as runner-up as the Heisman for the Heisman Trophy, which was very special, and and he saw that we were throwing the football around uh, uh, quite a bit more than than some folks. Uh, so he, you know, he had his five or six schools that he narrowed it down to, and and uh, his visit here I think was a great visit. But it, it, we had a snowstorm on Sunday; he didn't get out till like Monday or or so or Tuesday morning even. Uh, so I, you know, I was concerned that might be, it turned, might be a deterrent. It turned out to be one of the best that happened, you know, cause we had normal time. It wasn't just, uh, showing him around and recruiting him. We had normal time to study tape and watch, you know, do things that he enjoyed doing and get to know our kids better. So that, that may have played a role in it, but, uh, I know when, as soon as he committed, he went to work, you know, recruiting for us. And it's one of the best classes that's ever been assembled, you know? Uh, at Tennessee, so we're 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 grateful to Peyton for all that he's done and still does. When he comes in as a freshman, what was your immediate thought? Well, he didn't want to play as a freshman. Uh, he, he, he that's not what he he wanted to do. He, he would probably like to be maybe be a backup and help you know along the way, but he didn't want to start. I shouldn't say he didn't want to play. He didn't want to have to start. And we had a senior quarterback and Jerry Colquitt. And unfortunately, um, he hurched his knee in the first ball game. And Todd Helton is our backup quarterback, the professional baseball player, Todd Helton, great, great home run hitter and great guy. Uh, and darn if in the third game, he gets nicked up a little bit. So now we're playing the freshman. And it was pretty quickly obvious that Peyton was the guy that was going to take the job and run with it and, you know the rest is the rest is history. Uh, he, Why did he want to play? I think he understood. You know, 
jumping into college football right off the bat wasn't going to be an easy thing. I shouldn't say didn't want to play. He, he didn't want to have to have to be the starter, you know, and, yeah. and uh, he wanted to practice reps and those kind of things. Well, it turned out that it was much more than that, you know, so we had a great freshman year. When, he did. And you guys uh, were terrific coach. Do you miss coaching? And if so, what do you miss about it? You know, obviously you miss aspects of it for sure. Uh, the, the players, the big games, you know, probably as much as anything, the practices, you know, the staff. We had a, such a great staff that stayed together for a long, long time. I miss I miss those things, the social media stuff and the recruiting and, and you know, some of the stuff that, you know, goes on now. I, I certainly wouldn't like being, uh, you know, the transfer portal and, and stuff like that just it makes it difference you'd like to take a young man and help him grow from adolescence to manhood and you know those scholarship years were really important now it's now it's the nil and all about me and you know a little di- little different than than it was and, and I'm, I'm sure it's a good thing for the kids and families and on, from that side I, I really i get it but from the other side i you know i'm not sure you know just how how um somehow is encouraged encourages teamwork as, as much as maybe we did. So we'll see. Coach, I appreciate your time. It was a thrill talking to you, sir. Thank All you right. so much. Thank you, Naz. Good talking to you. Good luck. Take care. Thank thank you. You as well. That's Phil Homer, the head, former head football coach. At Tennessee, national champion coach. People think that Philip Fulmer won national championship with Peyton Manning. He did not. It was T. Martin. Uh, going back, he and Steve Spurrier had great, great, great battles. And a lot of people think that when you have battles with coaches, you immediately dislike them. You dislike them more in the recruiting process because, look, an assistant said something or this guy said something. Wait a second. Why is your assistant? I got to one day – I'm driving, and I'm driving my family, if you can imagine this. I'm driving my family to the Wisconsin Dells. My wife sitting there. My kids are in the backseat. I get a call from Bob Huggins. And Bob says, hey, I'm going to tell you right now. I'm going to beat the living hell out of your assistant, Jamal Meeks. I go, yeah, I can arrange that. What'd he do? Well, he's telling people we're cheating on Keith McLeod. I said, Bob, you are cheating on Keith McLeod. I mean, what do you want me to tell you? And I told them what they were trying to do to get this player who ended up committing to us, but he became Mr. Basketball, so they didn't want him to graduate. They didn't want him to graduate. They wanted him to go to prep school. They had a prep school paid for, Maine Central Institute. And I told Huggins all this. I told, hey, look, this is what you did. And if you want to fight Jamal Meeks, I can set that up. Now, remember, Bob, I told him, you're a fat old man. Jamal Meeks, a young, tough dude. Now, if you would like to set this up, I can set this up for you anytime you would like. Jamal would love, love, love to be involved in a scrap with you because, we've, frankly, we've had enough. My wife is sitting there going, oh, my God, we got two adult men sitting here on the phone. And there were a lot of F-bombs in between Huggins to me, but my only family heard me to Huggins. Hey, Bob, 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 Bob. So I drop my wife and kids off at the front door of the hotel, and I go to the parking lot, and I continue the conversation. I'm like, Bob, whatever you want, man. 
Hell, I can fight your decision. We can do whatever you want. But here's exactly what you are doing. Here's exactly who is giving the money, a guy who since passed away. And if you want to fight, let's do it. Huggins says, oh, hell, we're good. Long story short, Huggy speaks at my banquet that year. I go speak at his clinic that year. And the world is a happy place. It's just a happy place. And then when I go get the West Virginia job, the guy that helped me get the West Virginia job was guess who? Bob Huggins. That's the world I live in. That's the world I've always lived in. Hey, I'm going to fight your assistant. (laughs) I looked at the phone and... It was really, it was early. This was a long time ago, and I had a bag phone. Those of you that remember, I got a bag phone, and I'm picking it up, right? Hey, we're going to fight. All right. I still take Jamal Meeks over Huggins. See, fat old coaches like me or Huggins or whoever, they ain't tough. They weren't even that tough when they played. So they ain't tough now. Stop it. But that's a true story. Uh Keith McLeod ended up being Mr. Basketball in the state of Ohio. Keith McLeod ended up coming to Bowling Green. Without a practice, Keith McLeod got eligible at Wisconsin Green Bay halfway through the year. I played him as I told him I would in recruiting. Probably had 15 points. Keith McLeod played in the NBA four or five years. So if you were going to try to get a kid to not graduate Canton McKinley High School, if you were going to try to get a kid... Uh, his $10,000 entry to Maine Central Institute, that's the kind of kid you would do it, particularly if you're the head coach of Cincinnati. But they weren't messing with me, people. (laughs) I remember telling Meeks, uh, now Jamal played for a strong-built kid. I go, Meeksy, you may have to fight. You might have to fight Huggins. You might have to. I don't know. You might have to fight Bob Huggins. What do you think? Oh, I'll kill him. Meeks was tough. (laughs) Oh, man. We got What the Hell Wednesday coming up. Yeah, we do. We got What the Hell Wednesday coming up. I got a woman charged with sending a bee swarm at people. What are we doing? She not happy with deputies. I got the world's dirtiest man. The world's dirtiest man passed away. You would think the world's dirtiest man passed away at what? 12? You're filthy. No, 94 years old, the world's dirtiest man passed away. Don't at me about it, people. We got a lot of show coming up. Stay right here. We'll be right back. We'll be right back. Got to take a short break here. We are rolling with Don't At Me, and you don't want to miss it. Stay tuned. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey, got to thank Phil Fulmer and got to thank Paul Kuharski for joining today. Ladies and gentlemen, I may be America's cleanest man. Now, it's a true story. My wife will tell you. I take, at minimum, three showers a day. My mother used to ask me if I killed somebody. Like, did you? are you washing the blood off of your body? You know how people, 
that commit murder, at least in the movies, they end up going and cleaning their body. I am America's cleanest. I cannot go to bed unless I take a shower directly before going to bed. I cannot wake up and do anything before I take a shower. And then generally, like yesterday, I was out blowing a bunch of leaves. I got crap all over me. I got to go take a shower in the middle of the day. I am the world's cleanest man. My antithesis is an Iranian hermit known as the world's dirtiest man. He died at the ripe old age, ripe, of 94, listen to this, just months after taking his first wash in years, decades. Amu Haji, Uncle Haji as he was referred to, died in Desgan, a village in Iran's southern Providence. According to the head, Ajani had for decades avoided fresh food and believed that if he cleans himself, he will get sick. He was known for a staunch stance against bathing. You see it right here. Lived on a diet of raw animal meat and a pack of cigarettes. He believed soap and water would make him sick. Everybody in the town, all right, respected it. Listen to this. A few years ago, a group of villagers tried and took him to a nearby river in an attempt to bathe him. He jumped out of the car and ran. They said, all right, we respect it. A few months ago, they gave Haji a wash. Needless to say, the man was unmarried. But Haji ends up passing away after getting a wash. Like, again, who are you to tell me that I need to wash unless I'm in your personal space? And look, let's also be honest. There's no glory in being the world's dirtiest man. Let's not be the world's dirtiest man. But I got to tell you, the dude lived to 95 years old. I mean, a lot of you eating celery and carrot sticks and you can't live till 40. Genetics obviously plays a role. And good for the world's dirtiest man for standing up, baby. Yeah, he stood up. I got another one for you. And you know I have a story for everything. So the other day, true story, I'm driving west on I-70 here in Indianapolis. And crazy things happen on the east side. The east side is full of insane people. I've had stuff flying off cars. It's insane driving every day, every day on this road from 465 into the city west on I-70. And a lot of you guys that drive this from the east side of town in are nodding in agreement. You're going, yes, well... I had, all of a sudden, boxes flew off of a truck. Thank God they were empty boxes. One stuck in the grill of my car. So I made it like a game. Can I drive this with a box stuck in the grill of my car all the way to the dumpster on the circle at Emma's where I work? So I got in the right lane in case anything flew off. It was on the right side of the car. It would fly onto the shoulder. I made it. Well, let me tell you something. A coyote did the same thing at a car dealership in Florida, because everything happens in Florida. They examined a car that was dropped off for service. A coyote was wedged in the front grill. A rescuer from the St. Francis Wildlife Association, Quincy, Florida, was sent to the Toyota dealership in Tallahassee, where garage workers were, look at this thing, 
Can you believe this? They discovered a live coyote. So there is a rule of thumb when you hit an animal. We all look and say, did we kill the animal? We all go, you know what? I thought I hit that squirrel. I'm looking in my mirrors. I don't see the squirrel. Well, maybe it's in your car. Maybe it's underneath. Maybe it's in the grill. They say this. Always check your vehicle after a strike with a wild animal when it's safe to do so. Not only is it important to check if the animal is still alive so we can assist, it's also important to check your car to see if it is still safe. A follow-up post was made on Facebook that the coyote underwent surgery for a leg injury and is expected to make a complete recovery. There you go. Check your car. I made it with, I don't know what I'd have done if that was like a live animal hanging on my car, but I made it to the dumpster. I got rid of it, and away we go. This is amazing here. A woman decided, well, I don't want the cops to get me. So you know what she did? She sent a swarm of bees at the police officers who were trying to evict her. A Massachusetts woman released a swarm of bees on sheriff's deputies as they tried to serve her an eviction notice. She is facing multiple felonies, assault and battery. She has released, been released without bail. She and other protesters maintain they were trying to prevent a wrongful eviction. The homeowner, Alton King, brought evidence of a bankruptcy state at court the next day at which everything should have been stopped. She decided when the deputies showed up, there were protesters at the home. These protesters decided, well, guess what? I'm going to bring bees. That's right. I'm not bringing firearms. Not bringing a bow and arrow, not bringing nuclear weapons. I'm bringing bees. This lady, Woods, she lives in another town, came in an SUV. She was towing a trailer carrying beehives and started shaking them, breaking the cover off of one of them and causing hundreds of bees to swarm out and sting a deputy. She, Woods, as you saw or you see in the picture there, or as Ryan and Dylan showed you in the picture, she was prepared. Always be prepared for your eviction. Always be prepared. She was prepared. She wore a beekeeper suit. She wasn't going to get herself stung. Oh, hell no. Oh, hell no. I'm not getting stung. So, multiple counts. This story I thought was fascinating. I always thought, I don't know if you guys have, I've always thought, how do you get away with a murder? How do you get away with a robbery? How do you get away with stuff? I've always thought that. If it makes me good, good. If it makes me bad, great. Who cares? (laughs) Really? I mean, little kid, you're thinking of things. All right, listen to this. Here's the headline. Car found buried at California mansion was a Mercedes-Benz reported stolen in 1992. The homeowner was arrested for murder and fraud. I live on a lake, and this summer 
they pulled out two cars out of this lake. You see it right now, not in my lake, that's the mansion. And both cars had been stolen. Listen to this, crews evacuated, you see it right here. A car that police said was buried in the backyard of a Northern California mansion 30 years ago and found no human remains. It was a convertible. It was a convertible Mercedes-Benz filled with bags of unused concrete that was discovered last week by landscapers in the very affluent Silicon Valley town of Atherton. Cadaver dogs brought to the scene made slight notifications of possible human remains on three separate occasions. So they brought the dogs in. They said, let's see if there's any people here. The dogs could have been reacting to human remains, old bones, blood, vomit, or any combination of those things. The car was removed from the house and transported to the San Mateo County lab for inspection. They examined the ground. Police have, have not said who owned the car, which was reported stolen, or who might have been burying it in the backyard. They believe the car was buried four to five feet before the current owners bought the house. All right. They wouldn't say if the vehicle was registered to Johnny Lou, who built the home, lived there with his family. He had a history of arrests for murder, attempted murder, and insurance fraud. The car, however, had personalized plates that included loot. Take off the personalized plates. What are you doing? If you're going to bury a murder car, or you're going to bury a getaway car, or you're going to bury some type of car, take off the personalized plates and do yourself a favor. Get rid of the serial number. It's right there on the dash. Apparently, Lou died, and he had been arrested for insurance fraud. Uh, Apparently, he lost a yacht. He buried it on the bottom. He murdered a 21-year-old woman, spent eight years in jail, it was, conv- it was overturned. Two more counts of attempted murder. This guy was a bad guy. And they found his car, but unfortunately, they found his car buried. Lesson out there, people. Get, if you're going to bury a car, good for you. And who am I to tell you not to bury a car? But with the way the world works now, with technology being what it is, people are always coming into my yard to dig stuff up, to lay fiber. That's what they did a few weeks ago on our show here. Let's do this. Just throw the car in the ocean. You know, or do what they do on Yellowstone, the old train station. If you're going to the old train station in Yellowstone, you got a problem. So do that. I'm trying to tell you how to get away with a murder here. But don't bury a car Because in this day and age, look, if it's on a big mansion, you say no one's going to be there. Yeah, eventually that mansion could be chopped up. Nobody thought they would look at O.J. Simpson's mansion in his state. Next thing you know, that whole thing got raised. Don't do it. And get off Taylor Swift's backside, will you please? Taylor Swift has sold, let me give this to you. Taylor Swift's Midnight's album sold over 1.2 million million in three days. Now, I don't know what to tell you. I saw an article in the New York Post 
Some mean girl from high school said, well, I went to high school with Taylor and nobody liked her. We hated her. Shut up. You got to go the opposite. If you know somebody's going to be a star, might be a star, be nice to them. What are you being mean to people for in the first place? In the second place, Taylor Swift was going to be a star when she was like 10. You want tickets? Be nice. I got a story for everything. In 2008, when I became the head coach at Indiana, I really blanked off the other players by telling them, look, you guys are treating Eric Gordon bad. Treating him bad. You guys are idiots. All you're going to be doing is asking Aaron Gordon for tickets to the NBA while you guys are, I don't know, playing in whatever league you're playing. And that made everybody mad. Turned out to be true. Eric Gordon's been in the league for 100 years. The slaps that played for me at Indiana haven't even smelled the court. I try to help where I can, people. I try to assist. You choose to listen, you listen. You don't choose to listen, that's on you. I got nothing I can do with it. 1.2 million. Three days. Now, let's just say Taylor makes five bucks a piece. You can do the math on that. That's 60 million. I'm sorry, that's six million she makes. Right now, three days. If she wrote the song, Taylor Swift is going to, oh, I don't know, get residuals forever and ever and ever. That's the way the recording industry works. Don't be the performer, be the writer. Archaeologists, I knew this was true. I told my kids all the time, and I'm sending them this as soon as this show is over. I still tell my kids that Santa Claus exists. They still get mad at me. I still, when Santa comes, I make sure that Santa writes to Andrew, love Santa on the package. To Laura, love Santa. To Tegan, love Santa. To Jared, and they think I'm an idiot. Oh, man. Look at that headline. Look at that headline right there, ladies and gentlemen. Santa's tomb possibly found. We mean he doesn't exist. What are you talking about? Show the picture. Santa exists. What are we explaining? What are we talking about? Of course Santa exists. Look at that. That's a tomb befit for S period clause. Right there. That's right. Now, I don't know what they're trying to tell me. I don't even care what they're trying to tell me. But they're trying to act like this is Santa Claus's tomb. That's fine. I need Hillary Clinton and Joe Biden and John Fetterman. They can tell me because they just say anything. But the fact of the matter is, Nobody really knows if that was Santa Claus's tomb. Nobody really knows what that is. Nobody has any idea. But hey, if you want to say it's Santa Claus's tomb, then it's Santa Claus's tomb. This would be scary. This next story would make me uh, crapola la pantalones. Tourists get stuck 200 feet underground after Grand Cayman Get out of here. I was reading. After Grand Canyon, Cayman, Caverns elevator breaks, five people touring the Grand Canyon Caverns over the weekend were rescued when they, become st- when they became stuck when the elevator took them more than 200 feet 
underground, and it broke down. Listen to this. You couldn't do this with me. I go to the bathroom way too much. In fact, by mentioning potty, I got to go, I'm sure, in a minute. They were underground for 30 hours. They were notified, the police were, that a group of tourists was stranded 21 feet below the Earth's surface due to a malfunctioning elevator. There was an emergency staircase, but the sheriff's sheriff's office said the tourists were unable to climb the stairs. Oh, apparently the trap, this isn't so bad. The trapped tourists stayed in the cavern's underground hotel and restaurant while workers tried to fix the elevator. They ended up with search and rescue teams. They couldn't walk, so they got search and rescues. We got in the elevator, Michael Jimenez said, like me and the whole family. Guy started pressing the button. Nothing happened. Nothing happened. So we all got out. The whole thing just started filling up with smoke. Everybody backed out of there. He and his dad were able to climb the emergency stairs, but not everybody in the group was. So they brought food and supplies back down into the caverns where the family spent the night in an underground hotel with all the supplies like formula, diapers, everything. And we went down, we asked him, do you guys even attempt to call anyone to help us? Because there's no service trucks, nothing going on. It was terrifying. Stressful. I was sad, he said. (laughs) Really? Apparently they arrived for help. It took 15 minutes for each to rescue. They pulled my grandpa, mom, and my grandma out by hoist. So there you go. Not as bad that you get to stay in a restaurant. I mean, damn, if you let me in an elevator or a room without a bathroom for 30 hours, I think everybody would have to make a decision about whether to kill me or not. Because there would be gas, there would be uh, just bad stuff. I don't need to make it gross for you. And I think most of us would feel the same way. If you left me there with adult, adult diapers then maybe I got a chance. So there you go. By the way, leave Taylor Swift alone. Just a young lady trying to make it in country music. Should you listen to Taylor Swift's Midnights? Hell yeah. Absolutely. No question. All right, boys and girls, who's our woke-a-dope of the day? Man, there's a lot. I got to tell you, that John Fetterman, Wow. He wasn't woke. He was just a dope. And I know he had a stroke. So people are on my ass saying, you're making fun of a guy with a stroke. And I'm saying, no, I'm not. If you're going to be up there as a political candidate and you can't answer the question, I'm saying you shouldn't be a political candidate. If you can't think right now, you shouldn't be a political candidate. What are you talking about? So I got people saying, well, you know, you're being mean. No, I'm not. Not even a little bit. What I'm doing is telling you the way I feel about politics. I cannot believe the people that we bring on stage. Who we got as a woke adult? Happy birthday, our great president. Uh, We know uh, your mom's always with you. Happy birthday, our great president. Uh, We know uh, your mom's always with you. That's just a dope. That's your president. 84 million votes, 81 million votes. He was talking about Kamala Harris, the great president. Great president, mom's always with you. Seriously, can we play that again? 
Happy birthday to a great president. Uh, we know uh, your mom's always with you. Happy birthday to a great president. Uh, we know uh, your Where mom's always with you. So is that, now, are we allowed to say that that is insane because he has a stuttering problem? Is that the defense? Look, if you're defending this, then God bless you. But I got a newsflash. Kamala Harris is not the president. And for those of you that are saying, well, he misspoke, how how many are you giving him? How many are you giving him until you decide or I decide or somebody decides the dude should not be the president of the United States of America? How many times do you walk around and not know where you are before you should not be the president of the United States of America? You want to be the president of the Biden household? You want to be the cheery old granddad? Hell, the guys from the Indy Star said, get off his backside. He's just a nice old man. Fine. Go be a nice old man. But most of us don't do this. I do because I got a wife and a job that says I should. I pay attention. I say this every day because it concerns me. Tulsi Gabbard, who has become my crush, as you all know. Well, Tulsi Gabbard is being very specific about a potential nuclear war. That guy controls our response. That guy controls the codes to a nuclear blast. That guy controls what we would do. Should it be that way? Of course not. The president of the United States was set up more ceremonial than powerful, but it's powerful right now. And as I think about this guy, Biden, being in office and all the absolute oddities of him being in office, like those things where he misspeaks, like shaking hands with people that aren't there, like going all Burgundy, Iran Burgundy on us with a teleprompter saying dot D-O-T. You know what I'm talking about. I think it's about time we start looking at a broad base of candidates. Last night, we saw John Fetterman. Let's be honest. Anybody that has at least a little bit, a little bit of honesty in their heart saw this guy Fetterman and said, I don't care who he's running against, that man can get nothing done for anybody and is completely unfit for office. If I was the head of the Democratic Party in freaking Pennsylvania, I would vote against him. Let's go with a little Fetterman video from last night. Let's just show a little bit of this guy. And what I'm Mr. talking Oz, about. Mr. Oz, I do want to clarify something. You're saying tonight that you support fracking, that you've always supported fracking, but there is that 2018 interview that you said, quote, I don't support fracking at all. So how do you square the two? Oh, uh, I, I, I do support fracking, and I don't, I don't, I support fracking, and I stand, and I do support fracking. I don't know if we have it, but at the end of it, he just starts yelling. Fetterman did. Uh, He just started yelling at us. We do? He, 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 uh, well, if we have it, let's play it. I didn't hear exactly what you said. 
Okay. Well, there was another one where he, Fetterman, just yells out, just for, the, for whatever the reason, just yells out, you want to cut Social Security in the middle of Dr. Oz's closing statements. These are the candidates we're putting in front. Like, I'll be honest. I thought Hillary Clinton, Joe Biden, Donald Trump were the three worst candidates that I'd ever seen until I saw what Donald Trump actually did with the economy, which is important to me. It may not be important to you. I don't know. Well, then I saw what Donald Trump did with borders. It may not be important to you. It's important to me. I saw what Donald Trump did with gas prices. Not important to you. It's important to me. I thought Hillary Clinton was unlikable, and I thought, and I'd still think even more so that Joe Biden isn't all there. Now we're putting people like this Fetterman guy up. Now, in the governor's race for the state of New York, which you could argue is one of the most popular or most important governors, Kathy Hochul is being challenged. She is being challenged, and yesterday she questioned the person she is running against desire to put criminals in jail. Now, I want you to think about this. She didn't understand why it was important to put criminals in jail. Now, I don't know about you, but I think putting criminals and putting people that commit crimes in jail, I don't know, it seems important to me. Or I suppose we could just have people roaming the streets doing whatever it is that they want. These are the candidates that Democrats are putting in front of us. It should be the biggest, as, as Clay Travis says, tsunami, red tsunami, in the history of voting. I don't know that it will be. I don't. I don't, I don't know. I don't know that we're that smart. I don't know that we're not that tied in. I look at people and I say, how could you possibly vote for people that are trying to tighten and, oh, excuse me, destroy our country. I mean, think about what's going on in our country from little children being exploited to borders being open to crime running rampant to, I don't know, the economy in the toilet to a president that says, if we could just get a little bit of breathing room. Ah, uh, what? I don't know what to tell you. The governor running in New York City, a quote, she's baffled, baffled when Zeldin, her opponent, says, hey, look, we got to jail criminals in New York. She doesn't understand it. She says she doesn't get why crime is important. Get that woman away from not only public office, but get her away from children. And this guy, this other guy, Zetterman, I mean, what do we, how is that other guy, Fetterman, even a candidate? Look, I don't know whether Dr. Oz is good, bad, happy, or sad, but I do know this. I am going to vote simply for sanity. I'm not going to know every issue of every candidate, but honest to God, if you're in a district 
that supports uh, drag shows where we saw some yesterday with basically, you know, the boobies, as my wife calls them, bouncing in front of kids. I'm getting you out of office. If you're trying to groom children, I'm getting you out of office. If you think you cannot get a beer or a cigarette or drive, but you can make a decision without telling your parents as a little child to have a double mastectomy, I'm getting you out of office. That's not any political party. That's just simply common sense and sanity. To say, you know what, I put an Inflation Reduction Act in, look at where our economy is now, and mean it, Mr. President, and inflation is the highest it's been in 40 years, that's just insane. So you got to get these people out. And you've got to, even if you vote for a Democrat, cool, make sure they're sane. Make sure they're actually, how do I put this right? Sane. People that can think, people that have a moral compass, people that aren't perfect. Hey, Herschel Walker paid for abortions, don't care. Don't care. I'm not getting any, and I never have, even going back to the days of JFK. I grew up in a town, Gary, Indiana, where politicians were all crooked and doing stupid stuff. Hell, guys used to. You know what a Rudy Clay is? A Rudy Clay is where an underage guy went to the city councilman turned mayor, Rudolph Clay's office, and bought a freaking fake ID to go buy beer in Gary, Indiana. Everybody had a Rudy Clay. I didn't. I didn't want to do that. Everybody knew me. I wasn't walking into a place buying booze. If I was, it was, it was at the triple play, and they knew me. So they would give me a six-pack to go to the beach. But I'm t- I mean, honest to God, the time has never been more important to vote for common sense. You can vote Democrat. Make sure it's common sense. Scott Fetterman can't speak. Our, our, our president can't speak. You got a governor of New York pandering to you saying, hey, look, oh, my God, what is it so important about crime? As all you got to do is look at videos of random stabbings, shoving people into the subway, beatings of the elderly, mob attacks on other kids. Hell, it just happened to my son, stepson Jared's best friend in Chicago on the Gold Coast. Three guys attacked him. He got away running for his life down the street in one of the high-end neighborhoods right off of Michigan Avenue. But that's not important? You people are nuts. Get these people out of here. Jeez. And listen to Tammy Lauren. She'll tell you. Outkick 360's coming up. Ryan, Dylan, Davey, Corey, everybody. Aaron, thank you. I got more to talk about, 107.5 The Fan or 93.5. Just common sense and sanity. Vote for that. Please, I'm begging you. See you tomorrow.